0: Hello, welcome to the brand new MCPHH podcast. My name is Hasib. I'm the MCPHH research assistant, and I'm also doing my PhD part time at MMU, researching British Muslim identity in the 20th century. I'm delighted to introduce Dr. Craig Horner, who is a senior lecturer in the history department at MMU. He's also going to be my co host in the future, so you have that delight to look forward to. Dr. Horner, uh, I understand you've been doing research into nineteenth-century motoring, and have uh, a sorry have a project on it. Could you tell us a little bit about that?
1: I'd love to. Um, th- thank you very much, Haseeb. Um Yeah, the, the the project that that I've got going is called the nineteenth-century motorists project, and the the idea is to try and work out why on earth motoring ever caught on in the first place, um, because. Uh, motoring in the late 19th century was uh, considered by just about most right-thinking people as being a pretty balmy thing to do. Uh, it's very expensive and uh, uh, you, you're constantly spending your time underneath a vehicle repairing it. But, so part of the project is, is to try and, and work out what the appeal was. Um, but the other uh, idea is to work out who the motorists were and I've um, come up with some terrific findings. Um, One lovely detail is um, I'm pretty confident I know who the first motorist in Cheshire uh, is, for instance. Um, He he was a a guy called Samuel O'Kell. When he he got his first motor car in in 1897 it was, um, he was Already in his 60s. So he was, you know, it wasn't as if he was uh, young and uh, uh, willing to crawl underneath the car all the time, like like many of those pioneers. But Samuel, he lived in Bowdoin, um, which is one of the uh, the, the wealthy uh, suburbs of Manchester. And he would have been seen um, by his neighbours. Uh, going up and down the, the, the roads in and around Bowdoin. He, he actually bought a, a car, a model called a Hurtu. Uh, it's a French brand, and of course it's, it's long gone. Um, nobody will have, have heard of it now. Um, but he, he went to, to France, he went to Paris, uh, especially to, to, to buy it, um, and he had it imported um, to his address in Bowdoin.
0: That's really interesting. There's lots of stuff you've brought up there, but just one question I have off the, off the top is, how much would it have cost at that time to kind of buy
1: a new car and run a car? Well, that's a really good question. Um, and uh, let's say by about 1900, we, if we look at things like the the adverts that, that you see in, in the, those first motor magazines, um, buying a car it 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 could cost you um over 1000 pounds for instance um by the time you you bought the the chassis and and got a, a coach builder to put a body on it um they were the the, the really big sort of high end cars though and and you could get yourself a a nice little car you know the equivalent to a Ford Fiesta or something um you could get one of those for say about 200 pounds um although of course you you'd have to pay extra for things like windscreens hoods um and, and all of that sort of stuff nothing you know came uh, included in those days
0: that's interesting so what would have these cars actually look like i'd imagine they're completely different to what we understand now as a, as a modern car to be
1: yeah, uh, they, they most of them would be recognisable um, as a, a motor car. You know, they they, they had four wheels and and uh, some of the seats will have faced forward and so on. Um, but um, there were all sorts of, of contraptions on the road because um, at the time it. I mean, now we we have an expectation of a car. You know, where you, you're probably going to be. In an enclosed space, you know. So if it rains, you don't get wet. You you will have all of the seats facing forward, um, and you probably expect things like there's a boot at the back and a an engine at the front and so on. And so that's kind of what we we expect to see um, these days. But and some of the cars were were broadly like that, but but there was no kind of um, standardisation uh, probably until. I don't know, the 1905, round about that time, when, when most cars then had the engine at the front and so on. Uh, you, you'd have all sorts of, of um, approaches. What one might be um where they followed the horse and carriage um method, um, which of course would have been what how most people um, you know, what what they would have seen on the roads at the time and what they were used to seeing. And that would be where. Uh, you'd have the the passengers in in the the, the carriage, some facing forward, some facing backwards. And uh, and that kind of idea would have been passed on to some of the first cars as well. There are one or two brands, for instance, where you've got the the driver, uh, for instance, who's kind of seated towards the rear, and he's he's looking forward, um, but he has to look around uh, the passenger facing him in order to see where he's going. It, it it seems kind of bonkers now but at the time it made perfect sense.
0: That's quite a funny image to have the driver peering around the passenger in front of them. Um, one thing that came to my mind and it's a little bit of a jump perhaps but I think Wind in the Willows was probably written around the early 20th century and obviously you have Mr Toad who features prominently and there's uh, that he has his motor car that he drives um, but what kind of which kind of people would have been driving at that time do we do we know why they wanted to drive was it a status symbol um could you talk a bit about that
1: yeah and, and the mr toad character is actually um he he would have uh, people would have identified um mr toad as being the the, the road hog that they really hated, you know. That, because of course, most people uh, could never have uh, afforded a, a motor car, new or secondhand. And uh, and so for for those people, uh, the, the the motor car that kind of went past them, you know, all the roads would have been dusty and unsealed and muddy, uh, and so the the car would have gone past and and kicked up dust, and they'd have to get out of the way, and and so they they'd really um most motorists were uh, despised by the, the broader public um and the all of the first motor cars were were open for instance uh, they they weren't enclosed unless you had a you know a flimsy makeshift hood and so as they went by they were brilliant target practice for um for young lads you know throwing stones and, and things um, so the, the, the Mr Toad character it, is actually, um, it, it, it's very much of its time, the, the book, I, I, was it written in some, like 1908 or, or something like that, but um, you, you would have had the, the character of the arrogant, um, wealthy, middle class or, or aristocratic motorist um, who doesn't give care one jot for the, the, the people on, on the road. And, uh, and, of course, that, that kind of stereotype uh, of motorists did exist. Uh, the, the RAC, uh, which was the first uh, national automobile club in, in, in this country, uh, they were urging it, its members to you know, show uh, respect to, towards other road users. And um, so you've got that kind of character, the, 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 the arrogant, uh, couldn't care less character. Um, but you would have had those who, who were a little more thoughtful as well. And, um, and of course, you, you'd have the um, cars themselves, w- which would um, be having to get out of the way of, of the, the horse and, and cart, um, because there are a lot of uh, riders of, of, of carts, horse driven carts, who, who were not going to give way, who were not going to make way for these newfangled motor cars at the time. So there was a lot of tension um, on on the roads at the time.
0: That's fascinating. There's all sorts of questions I kind of want to ask about that, but was there any concept of kind of liability or do we have examples of accidents between horses and carriages and cars that we know of? And I don't know, when did kind of car regulations start to kick in? Do we have any idea about that kind of stuff?
1: Yeah, the, 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 again, the motoring magazines and, and the, the, the newspapers, particularly the local newspapers, are, are really good at, at uh, capturing this kind of information. Um, whenever there was an accident, um, if it involved a motor car, uh, the, the, the motoring magazines pointed out how it was always uh, assumed that the, uh, the driver of the motor car was probably the one to blame. Um, and I I guess many times they probably were, Um, but you you would have instances of, say, horses being spooked um, by an an oncoming car, although that, by and large, there there aren't very many um, cases of that. but certainly those people who didn't own motor cars who were the you know the the traditional users of a, of a horse or a carriage or something um, would have have assumed would have seen that the motor car uh, drivers as, as being you know sort of at fault if, if ever there was an accident there are plenty of examples of uh, all sorts of dreadful crashes and things because the, the the first motor cars just like the the horse and carriage they they all had well what we would now think of as dreadful brakes um and and the, you know dreadful steering the, the the first motor cars didn't even have a steering wheel they 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 had a a, a tiller arrangement you know which was uh, pretty ramshackle and um and so what what would happen there is that that uh, you know you you would Um, suddenly find yourself in a motor car, Um, there there wouldn't be any warning signs um, for, say, steep hills. And so you you would be tanking down a hill out of control. Um, And, uh, you know, you'd probably run off the road and all sorts of horrific injuries that that, that, um, took place at the time. There was no safety regulation at the time, uh, because the uh, the, the, the motor car was, was this kind of brand new um, innovation, um, which kind of defied um, r- regulations at the, at the time. Yeah.
0: Obviously, you mentioned the, the reception wasn't the best from the general public towards motor cars. Was there a concept of kind of pollution at the time and the fumes that they caused? And was that one of the complaints people had?
1: that that's it's a really interesting point um and the 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 concept of pollution in many ways was sort of turned on its head um because the 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 motor car was sold by the the motor magazines and so on as being the savior um of solving the problem of the pollution you know basically the horse poo that that the horse creates um the because it was a really big big deal at the time you know the, the the horses on on say the the streets of london there, there would be tens of thousands of tons of horse poo that, that needed to be cleared up um and uh, it, it attracted flies it smelt you know if you were a lady with your long skirt you'd have to hitch your skirt up it, it was all you know a real health hazard and so when when the motor car came along um, it was actually seen as, as being the the solution to all of this you know you 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 wouldn't have this kind of mess anymore but one of the things that the the, the motor car um, showed up straight away was that it was significantly faster than um, existing um a road road use in um, vehicles like say that the horse and carriage or or the mail coach or you know whatever um which didn't really go at much more than a, a sort of a the speed of a trotting horse um and so things like dust on on the the, the road wasn't really a problem until um, you had motor cars that could go suddenly 20 30 miles an hour and and suddenly dust um, became a, a huge issue um, and and that was probably the, the way in which motor cars were, were, were seen as sort of polluting. Uh, you had various kind of uh, attempts to kind of keep the dust down and and um, but that was one of the first things they, they needed to, to grapple with.
0: Yeah and as you've alluded to kind of as time changed and technology changed and perhaps As they became cheaper to manufacture, how how long do you think it took for the popularity of motorcars to increase? And then maybe this is jumping forward a step further, but for it to kind of be more accessible to to a larger population?
1: Well, it was certainly... Long after the, the, the First World War, before you had the middle classes who were kind of embracing motoring, uh, that, that was the time when uh, you, you had a, a, a new class of road user and um, you started to see a, a lot more cars on the road. And, and then, of course, it would be the, uh, the 1960s, 1970s, before you, you had the rise of uh, mass motoring. Um, when you know it became normal for um, ordinary working families to to have a motor car, um, but w- one of the things that that I've um, recognized from from my research is that uh, if we have it, we, most most of us w- will have this kind of vision um, of the very first motor cars being driven by very wealthy people, and yes, by and large they were, um, but by, by about the time you get to 1900 or so, you, you start to get a second-hand market. Um, and those first cars you know, sold for you know, practically nothing. They, they had no real value at the time. And so I'm starting to find evidence that um, it wasn't really working class people, but certainly lower middle class people were, were starting to club together um and and buy uh second hand cars and then of course you you had things like motorbikes which were uh which coincided with the the motor car they they were much cheaper uh and and all sorts in between uh, three wheelers with um you know which had two seats a, a big bath chair at the front and and the the rider sitting at the back like on a motorcycle all sorts of contraptions around and Um, So whilst the the stereotype uh, of it being um, wholly the the, the wealthy person's pursuit um, up until, say, the First World War, that that is largely intact. But I think we we need to recognise that there were a lot more people who were able to kind of get in on the game um, and... And and start to sort of you know they they were demanding um, changes they they were sort of working uh, telling the manufacturers what they wanted and and so the manufacturers responded to this.
0: Your mention of three wheelers has brought to my mind just a image of Victorian trotters, independent traders r- racing around London. But um, talking about the different types of people who may have driven and that it was by and large kind of middle classes but not necessarily exclusively wealthier middle classes who drove but what was it like for women driving did women drive cars in that period
1: they they did um but uh, very few women drove uh this is again another thing that that i've been trying to work out um it's actually quite difficult to to get precise numbers um we we know for instance from the cheshire uh, motor registration records um, held at Chester record office. Um, we, we know who the registered owners um, of those first cars, and th- th- this applies to the motor car act that, that came in in 1903. Um, so from 1904 onwards, we, we know who, who, who all these motorists are, and it's something like two in every hundred um, are women. So it, it really does look like a, a low number of motorists were women. But I, I think that w- w- what that tends to do, though, is mask the, um, the, the people who are actually using the vehicles rather than who were the registered owners of the vehicles. And so I suspect that there are a lot more women than that um, were, uh, were using motorcars and, and motorbikes at the time. Um, And there were things like covers of motoring magazines where where they'd have ladies' specials, you know, and there'd be female um, contributors who would urge women to, you know, sort of start motoring. So they they were there. They they were visible. Um, Just very difficult to put numbers on it. Yeah.
0: Obviously, the trains and railways were a kind of large 19th century innovation. Uh, how did motoring? How did motoring compare to the use of trains, and in terms of what it was used for, and how far uh, did people go in their, in their cars or their motor vehicles? Um, were they used, for example, to go on a, on a seaside trip, depending on where you lived? Or?
1: Most people um, w- were in the habit of using uh, the, the train. The train was relatively cheap, uh, and you could get to. Pretty much any part of the country very quickly, and and um, people w- would use carry on using the train to do just that. But the the the, the motor car started to uh, offer the the possibility of going to those places where the train didn't. And right from the eighteen nineties, um, I think it was eighteen ninety seven when Henry Sturmey for instance, he he drove a motor car from John O'Groats Groats to Land's End, um, and he wrote about it in in the Auto Car magazine, which he edited, um, and so th- these kinds of things happened. You know, th- these of course were the, uh, the the unusual ones. These are the people who who were always recorded in the magazines and in the press, um, and I'm trying to sort of work out who the the more normal user was at the time. Um, Most people would use a motor car for tootling around town or maybe to to, um, go and collect their their friend uh, from the railway station uh, and bring him back to their country estate or something like that. Um, There are accounts of women using their cars for social trips and for shopping and and that sort of thing. but there were some really intrepid um, users out there who, who did um, journeys which are, are just, you know, sort of breathtaking now when, when you think of the conditions that they must have experienced.
0: Yeah, I can only imagine kind of traversing the Scottish Highlands in a, in a Victorian motor car, what that would have been like. Um, what was the mileage like on them or how often would they have had to stop for fuel and where would they have got that from on such a long
1: journey? The, the getting of fuel was uh, that, that, that story in itself. Um, the, there were all sorts of cars at the time, steam and, and paraffin and electric and petrol. Um, but petrol fairly quickly became the, um, the, the obvious um, way forward for, for most motorists. And um, initially, the, there was a, a real problem getting um, petrol. And um, because petrol was initially um, sold um, b- uh, by the, the pint um, from chemists, and it was sold as a cleaning agent. Uh, it was an unwanted byproduct from the distillation of oil to, to make things like um, lamp oil. And um, so it, you, you would have this bizarre situation where you, you motorists would be going to a chemist and buying. Uh, as, as many pints of, of petrol as they could. Um, in Manchester, for instance, in 1900, there, there were only two places that, that sold petrol, um, uh, you, uh, you know, other than the, the, the chemists. So it was a big deal. And the, the, the railway companies initially were very reluctant to, to uh, transport fuel in bulk. Petrol was was seen as a highly dangerous um, product. It, it, of course, it is. It still is. Um, but uh, if, if any vehicle uh, was known to, you know, be stored in somebody's barn and it had some petrol in the tank or something, then um, it would have really worry people. Um, and you, you, the owner may need to sort of drain the tank or something to to calm people down. So. Um, the, the railways, the railway companies, they, they were eventually persuaded to uh, to distribute petrol uh, using the, the, the rail network. Um, but it was after the First World War, it was the about 1920 before you had the uh, kind of like the, the, the modern petrol pump arrangement, you know, the filling station. That, that was quite a um, that came quite a bit later on.
0: So if petrol was one kind of safety concern, were there a lot of other safety concerns amongst, we kind of talked about it earlier a little bit, but amongst drivers as well as those not driving?
1: Yeah, the, the, lots of safety concerns, and, and some of them seem really quite bizarre um, nowadays. One would be, uh, for instance, the use of a windscreen. Um, as, as I mentioned earlier, a windscreen was a uh, an optional extra, you know, it cost you another 10 or 20 pounds or something, um, and they didn't have safety glass in those days. And um, uh, so having, introducing glass um, between the, 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 the passengers or the driver and the road ahead was seen as a, you know, really risky thing to do. Um, and you know because the the the, grass, the the glass could um have a stone go through it and smash and injure the driver and so on and so there there's you know, a um some people were, were reluctant to have windscreens at all and that it's in part one reason why you 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 have this sort of image of say the the chauffeur driven car you know where where the uh the chauffeur is is up front and and is, is out in the open, he's fully exposed. Whereas, uh, you know, the passengers at the back, they, they might be contained, you know, w- within a, an enclosed space. But, so things like glass uh, were, were, you know, the attitude that we've got nowadays to glass, it's completely different to, to how it was then. And the other thing is, is brakes and steering, that, that they, they followed carriage technology. Um, and carriages drawn by a horse didn't need um, particularly good steering or particularly good brakes. You know, if you, it would be the horse that that would do the braking uh, in in a carriage. And um, and so this this technology was just simply transferred onto these first vehicles. And of course, as soon as that. You, you get a vehicle that can do 20, 30 or more miles per hour. Um, if its brakes and its steering um, aren't suitable for that kind of speed, it, it quickly becomes a very dangerous um, thing to, to be on the road.
0: Yeah. And we spoke about Mr. Toad being one of these kind of reckless, almost speed enth- enthusiast drivers. Was I know that there's like land speed records and stuff, the motor vehicles and maybe that comes quite a bit later but was there any kind of competitive aspect to any of this when did kind of sport start to take on motor cars or was that quite a little bit
1: later no it's actually right from the start that, that you had uh, that, that motor cars were, were involved in sport it is mainly on the continent um, because uh, road racing in this country w- w- was not permitted um, but you, the, the French, in particular, w- would put on races like pa- Paris to Bordeaux, um, and th- you know this attracted great interest. in, uh, in the 1890s, um, so the, the, that that element w- was there right from the start. And even things like the land speed record, it, it, as you mentioned, um, it the, the the first car, for instance, to to exceed 100 kilometers per hour. Um, that's 60-odd miles an hour, um, was in 1899. And, and that was, um, it, it was a, a uh, Gennazzi uh, was his name, and uh, he was driving uh, an electric car, um, which went at that speed. So right from the start, the, there's a big competition to, to have the fastest, you know, the most reliable, uh, and racing really did sort of improve um, Motorcars, no, no end, in terms of their reliability. That's
0: really interesting. You have a really encyclopedic knowledge on all of this, Craig. Um, so, what what are the kind of main resources that you've been using? Are there some good archives that you've been able to access? There's been some
1: wonderful archives. The the, the, the one that uh, I've been using for for Cheshire, for instance, uh, if, if you want to. Uh, work out who was uh, registering the, the cars in Cheshire after 1904 then, then go to Chester record office um and you, you can see the, the, the you know the, the big huge uh volumes then the, the, all the records are handwritten um absolutely fascinating and and, that, and they also give you an insight into um, uh, you know how how motorists would would trade up to another vehicle or, or uh, how cars were sold on and 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 so on um so the the, the chester registration records are absolutely wonderful um but I've, otherwise i've been using some of the records from the rac archive in london and um the, there was the, there's one particular record a set of records which are, are well worth mentioning um in the 1920s for instance um, th- those first pioneer motorists, who were by then becoming quite elderly, um, they, they set up this kind of uh, dining club called the Circle of 19th Century Motorists, and it was very cliquey and exclusive club, and they met every year. Uh, and it, it ran until 1960, in fact, um, which, by which time most of them had just died off, unfortunately. Um mm-hmm. But that, um, that, that club, uh, the, the, the RAC archive holds the, uh, the application forms for those people who wanted to join um, that, that circle, that, that club. And, and that's absolutely fascinating as well, because uh, these people needed to give evidence uh, about, you know, what, what kind of motoring they had done prior to 1900, and they needed to be... Uh, this needed to be verified. So um, there's a lot of wonderful material out there to, to get to grips with.
0: Excellent. You've put together a really good website for the project that I've been perusing through the 19th century motorist organ, and of course we'll share that. Um, one thing I didn't know but I noticed on the website was that you have a book that has come out or is coming out soon? <laughs>
1: Uh, yes um thank you for mentioning that um, next uh this month february um to, at the end of this month i've got a, a, a new book coming out uh the emergence of of bicycling and automobility in britain um and that's published by bloomsbury and um and formal orderly queue, please it, it's uh, I, I hope it will um help sort of try to explain a little bit more about why an earth Motor never caught on.
0: Excellent. I look forward to that. And of course we'll share that on our social media once once it's released. And uh, we need to get the library, the university library to get that in stock as well.
1: That would be lovely. Thank thank you very much, Jesse. Thanks, Craig.